Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Twenty twenty three starts off with an unfortunate setback in Ottawa, but busy times ahead. We'll see how the Sabres regroup. Welcome into Sabres Live Overtime. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks available 24-7 at all three locations. So whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek. The Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens, so you never miss a play. The Sportsbook at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Marty, the six-game win streak is over. The Mm -hmm. continual disappointing results in Ottawa uh, are front and center once again, but uh, we won't dwell on that. I think the, the, the bigger area to focus on here, since it's on everyone's mind, is what is going to happen in the days and weeks ahead with Buffalo's goaltending situation now that Eric Comrie is working his way back to full health on a conditioning assignment in Rochester? I'm glad you're asking me that question in 2023 because in 2022, I had a different answer. And now that the calendar is flipped over, I've got a new answer. So a couple of weeks back, I actually said on our Sabres live show that I think UPL probably finds his way back to Rochester with Anderson and Comrie handling the uh, goaltending duty in, in Buffalo and, and hopefully things all go well and there's, uh, you know, production and performances and there's wins and that could always change things up. But I think what I saw over the last two weeks with UPL now tells me that he is in the driver's seat. UPL is in the driver's seat. I actually think he would benefit from continued to play in Buffalo. Earlier in the season, it was all about playing. UPL needs to play 55 games this year. If it's in Rochester, it's in Rochester. If it's in Buffalo, it's in Buffalo. We It doesn't matter where. It's just playing. Now, the way that I've seen UPL progress the last three weeks, his confident level, the player's confidence in him in the net, I'm saying, okay, now... The playing part still has to be true, but it has to be in Buffalo. Um, So now you're saying, okay, well, if UPL is in the driver's seat, where does that leave Comrie and Anderson for the other spot, right? And so you look at the future. Comrie's got another year, and you signed him to be that, that guy that could compete for number one spot and play a lot of games. Unfortunately, he got injured and missed some time. So you still got to give him the games. And that leaves Anderson kind of as the third guy. And that's unfortunate. But I would assume, and I'm just saying assume because I don't know, that he understands the situation that knows what the future for the Sabres is and his role with the team. So I would think that for the foreseeable future here, that the Sabres would keep three. When Comrie's ready to go, they can play Comrie and UPL and see what that rotation does. Maybe you fit in Anderson once in a while, but you probably are going to keep three, which was the last thing I would ever think because I don't like a three-goalie system. But you're focusing on Comrie and UPL, and you go with that. But then what does it do for your 23-man roster? Who are you exposing to make room? Well, so that's the problem. Um, I am... I think... 
the only player right now that I would expose and say, okay, that player could go back to Rochester and play uh, for me, it would be Casey Fitzgerald. So that leaves you with six D on the roster. Now you could always call up somebody up and make a, you know, make a change if there's a need on D with an injury or, or something to that matter. But I don't think Henestroza and Asplin would be good candidates for waivers at this moment because they could still be the extra guys, skate every day, get ready. Maybe you slide them into the lineup uh, if there's a need up front. Uh, but I don't like seeing Casey Fitzgerald not play. And right now with the way the top 6D is, and at some point your car is going to come back, you're going to have another decision to make. But as it is right now, I think my solution to the 23-man roster would be have Casey Fitzgerald go to Rochester, have only six defensemen on the roster. I know it's very dangerous to do so, uh, but that would be my easy, quick fix for for the near future. Well, the important thing to note is that Yoki Haru will be coming back, and the way we've seen the ice time lately, the question now has to be asked, is Kel Clegg ahead of Labushkin and Bryson and... <laughs> And is Bryson a candidate like Fitzgerald at some like the, I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty now with the yeah. bottom of the group, which then leads to the next question. Does this team. Do, do they need to and or from the fan standpoint, should they or it's a combination of both, you know, should they be looking for another defenseman to solidify this? Uh, I don't like saying that they should look for another defenseman right now. I think Kale Clegg, funny enough, you mentioned him. He's not even in my thinking right now as a candidate to be sent back down to Rochester. He was, the you know, one of the latest to be called up and has played extremely well uh, in a role where he's logged in a lot of minutes. So that's not even entering my mind. Um, so yes, I would think after Fitzgerald, when Yokiaru comes back, you're looking at, well, I don't like to say Bryson or Lubushkin. I don't think either of them are going to Rochester, but now you're going to have hard decisions to make, but there's still some time and who knows what would happen when it comes to the health of players and injuries that you may encounter. So you kind of just punt it down the road and you see what happens then. Uh, but no, I am not moving Kel Clegg and I'm not ready to look at another defenseman just yet. This group of six right now, and especially Darlene Samuelson, Power, and Clegg, the top four, uh, have responded really well to some adversity the last few games. Uh, they had a six-game winning streak where they started the, the, the winning streak with having Power hurt, playing 5D, and then having to play with only, you know, uh, Darlene and Samuelson that were really your your regulars for a little bit. So it it they responded well. And I want to keep building on that. That's not where I would look at uh, adding some a piece right now. Labushkin only played a couple of shifts in the third period yes. against Ottawa, and Bryson's minutes have been significantly down. Um, so, well, I, 12, 15, 12, I think, the last three. Um, I don't know. Um, but that's to be expected, Duffer, because you do have Darlene, well, it, Power, no, Samuelson, and Clegg. The, the, the point is it's not because the coach just spoke openly about not wanting to be giving his top three guys close to 30 minutes and then did just that in a three and four stretch. So the minutes here and the discussion about the minutes is actually really important. 
It is important. And if you are winning the game 3-1 or 4-1, different. But I would think that if my team shows up at the start of the season with Dallin Samuelson power and Clegg or Yoki Aryu or whatever combination you want to put in the top four, those two pairs are playing 22 to 24 minutes a night. They're okay? playing 25 to 30 now, Mark. I understand. It's a big difference. But, but let's stick with my math here. Play 20, let's say 22 to 24 minutes a night. Okay. That's 45 to 48 minutes in the top two pairs. That leaves you about 12 minutes for the third pair. Right. And I know that Labouche can only play two shifts in the third period against Ottawa. And really, he had a tough night. Not going to lie. But a lot of, a lot, Samuelson, I didn't think, had a good night against Ottawa. But, you're still going to put him out there, right? Because he's your top four and you, you're you going to rely upon him to work himself out. But if you have Dallin and Power, and they're young, and as they they, they, they gain more experience, Dallin is there right now, Power will, it wouldn't be surprising that the top two pairs would play 45 to 48 minutes a night, 24 on average for the top two pairs. That leaves you only 12 for the uh, uh, the third pair. So I'm not really worried about the third pair. Um, yeah, you'd like to go 20, 20, uh, 20, or maybe 22, 22, 16, but it, it's still not a lot of minutes for the third pair. I'm not worried about the third pair. I'm worried about the 29 minutes for Owen Power and the 29 minutes for Dallin and the 29 minutes for Samuelson when they just did three and four. Tuesday's going to be a three and four. There's six more three and fours. You say they're young. They're not going to be young at the end of January. Not at this pace. Okay. So, so why don't they go get Chikrin? Uh, I, well, okay. So number one, I think it's going to cost an arm and a leg. And I don't want to do that because it's not the, the it's not the foundation that the Sabres have You built. understand they have lots of arms and legs, right? To, yes, to, to move. But those arm and legs for like, I don't know if those arm and legs at the end of the day uh, are where I want to go. That's one. Uh, my second point is like, okay, so I, I look at Tampa and they have Hedman and Sergachev. And okay, so if those play on average 25 minutes a game, they should. And, you know, you look at uh, other teams that have the the top defensemen. If Roman Yossi plays 25 to 26 minutes a game, 28 minutes sometimes, he should. He's Roman Yossi. If Kel McCarr does and Devontae's, they should, right? The Sabres will have this setup on the back end where you're going to have a top four that could play the full 60 minutes if you wanted to. And I don't, I don't really don't think that's a bad thing. Now, yes, you want to give them, you know, a few easier nights, but you're pushing right now. You're pushing for the playoffs. Um, I might, I, one year duffer, and I'm going to go back to goaltenders in a way. I played 72 games the one year. Now I remember my agent talking to Darcy Regeer saying, Oh, we don't want Marty to play 72 games because long term that's not going to be good. I'm looking at him like, What are you talking about? Play me 75 games if you have to. I want to play. I want to play. Right now, Darlene Power, Samuelson are saying, Bring it, right? We want to play. I'm not disputing that at all. I know you're not, but I just I'm maybe sure I that listened. Conversation to, maybe I listened too much to our own broadcast, but all we heard last night was how the Senators were targeting Darlene and how worn down he was. 
I think everybody was worn down last night. And I disagree. I disagree. I think it's the nature of the game. We're not even halfway. And then through. Don said after We're the game, Darlene was fantastic and power was fantastic. He really liked their game. I agree. He wouldn't change anything. So I would he like going into Ottawa last night again and going with his coaching staff and saying, okay, three and four, and we may have to rely on a couple of individual more than we usually do. Who are these guys that we want to put out there more? Huh? Dallin and power. Okay, good. I think that's basically what it's come down to. Well, Argentina, don't cry to me when this month ends and, uh, you know, somebody's feeling bad about the increased minutes. So, Well, and you look at Tate Thompson in the Ottawa game, even in the Detroit game, um, coming back from the, you know, the blizzard and the Christmas break and all of that. I didn't think Tage was uh, all that fantastic uh, in those two games where we've seen Tage, even though um, still was able to produce. But uh, I think Tage is the kind of guy, just like Darlene and Power, where after the game against Ottawa, I said, I wasn't good. I need to be much better. I want to be better. I want to be able to say, hey, put me out there. We're down a goal. I'll give you something. Mm -hmm. I think they are developing that right now. And that's what Don's working on. And so maybe this year, you're putting Darlene out there a little bit more. You're putting Power a little bit more. You're putting Thompson a little bit more. Next year or in two years from now, maybe you try to pull it back a little bit because you develop that that side of their That's, character that, that, that says, sounds like a backwards there. way because the, the minutes go up for Dowdy and Yossi and Carlson as the career went on it doesn't regress yeah. we know that yeah well I'm just saying you want to develop that yeah I want to be the guy that is being relied upon right now so put me back out there so that's what they're doing right now and it's the same thing with UPL I think they see an opportunity to say well let's play them let's play them more and because there's that opportunity the same thing for Dallin and Power. Let's play them as much as we can because there's an opportunity for growth right here. Yeah, I'm not disputing the capability of them to play those minutes. I just think if they had a little bit more depth and balance, then it wouldn't have to be this severe this early on in the season. They haven't and even hit they... The, they haven't even come close to hitting the hardest part of the year yet. Yeah, we're not even halfway in the year. I totally no, but get like that. look at January. That's what I keep saying yeah. here. Like. This is unbelievably challenging. We don't, we, last night was the first time we mentioned three and four all year. It doesn't mean it hadn't happened. It's just now it's becoming a reality. So I, I don't know. Yeah. There, there's, there's a few different things come into play, but. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's flip. Let's, let's flip. You mentioned. Okay, but let here. me ask you a question, a question and then we'll go. So if you did have. Yoki, are you back in the lineup? And you're looking at five guys that can play a little bit more in the power, Dallin Samuelson, Yoki, are you and Clegg? Okay, let's put those uh, okay. five. I don't even understand. I don't, I don't even, I don't know how Clegg has ended up in this position. I really don't. Because I think he's played well and he can right, be relied but he's not... upon. Okay. I think just like UPL two weeks ago. I didn't think UPL would have been in my, yeah, let's keep three goaltenders because I've done the three goalie thing and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think Clegg was in that conversation either. But two weeks later, I'm putting Clegg, you know, on a on a step way above of Bryson and Lubushkin right now. And I'm saying, okay, so I like what Clegg's done. I like that he's added 
uh, a stability, right? A little bit like Samuelson can be a little bit more of a stability type uh, person. I like what Clegg has done. So if you have Yoki Aryu in there and that's your five, And a lot of teams go to five, like uh, later in the game, they'll sit one and they'll go mm -hmm. to five. If that was your five, do you feel the need to add to it? Or do you think, well, it's pretty good right now for where they want to go. Um, but Yoki Haru is going to, would change all that, I would think. But um, yeah, as far as the forwards, you mentioned Thompson, it is rather stunning that they've rattled off the number of wins that they have in the last month based on the fact that the scoring numbers are really, 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 really down for a lot of the players. Now, they've been fortunate in that they've kind of had this, you know, sprinkling of one-offs, like an Opozo hat trick, like a middle stat game, you know, the occasional Krebs or Joe's contribution. But beyond the top five players, which would be the top line plus Cousins plus Dalene, there is not much happening offensively with this group. So how much of a concern is that right now? It is a concern. Um, and it is a concern that Granado um, kind of, I don't want to say address, but felt that you had a, a need to change a little something in the Ottawa game. So he moved Cousins with... Uh, Middlestat and Olsen and put Joe's with Paterka and Quinn. I'm they, gonna they didn't play, Quinn. by the way. Joe's Paterka, Quinn had three shifts in the third. Three period. shifts, yeah. And yeah. that was basically going down to well, Krebs, Oposo, and Gergensons were were doing their job, and he could rely on them. But you're, I don't want to say limiting your offensive outburst or output because well, Oposo had a hat trick and Zemga scored in the Ottawa game. But they're not the ones you should be re relying upon to score and score regularly. There's the other guys. But I'm going to park Quinn and Paterka aside because first year NHL, they did have a really high high where that that line, the Cousins line was just performing at an extremely high level and fast and fun to watch. And now there's a drop off and it's to be expected, but you have to keep giving them the reps, at least to start the games, right? You mm -hmm. have to keep giving them the reps. And if in the third period, you have to limit their ice time because of the way the game is being played, that's fine. But you have to keep them in the lineup, in my opinion, and keep working them but, to learn. But wouldn't now, or I shouldn't lead in that way, would now be a good time to put them on different lines? Um, Not for me. Okay. Not not yet because I would say that normally, generally speaking, they've had their moments. Yes, Colorado, Arizona, Vegas was not a good three-game stretch for them at all. But they've had their moments of consistency at least to say, okay, they bounce back and they play Detroit on the Thursday night after a long layoff. And as a line, their course C was, I think it was 12-3 at five on five, right? They, they were able to... To, to consistently put themselves in better position against the Red Wings and you move forward. You, you kind of build off of that. I still think the big issue right now for the Sabres, and although Casey Millstadt ends up finding himself scoring two goals against Detroit, is always going to be how do you find offense and consistent offense with 
Middlestat, and Olofsson. And Olofsson had a chance against Ottawa to say, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to make a difference here. I'm going to put it in the back of the net. And eh, there was not a lot of uh, through that one-timer in the slot in the third period that Forsberg made the save on. So right. that to me is still going to be the issue so, that moving forward, you need to find something going there. So Olafson has two goals in 14. Uh, that puts him uh, on a considerably different pace than what he established out of the first 12 games of the year. Um, Asplund has sat for 12 of 16. Vinny Henestroza has sat for 11 yeah. of the last 12. Um, what does all of that mean? Are we likely to see, again, players coming in and out up front? Is Olafson actually a candidate to come out? You know, what is gained by making any changes at this point in time? Well, the process of elimination tells me that, yes, it's it would be where Middlestat and or Olafson would be the first one on my list of, okay, if you want to make a change up front, that's where you would go first. Before you go to Quinn and Paterka, that's where I would go first. I still don't think this is the time to do it. And unfortunately for Aspen and Enestroza, they will have to wait. It's not game five of the season where you're working a rotation. It's not game 20 of the season where you're like, okay, we still got to give some guys better look. This is going to be game 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. You're halfway in the year. I think you know who your 12 are and who you want to work forward with at this moment. So fortunately for Asplund and Henestroza, they're 13 and 14 on the depth chart. I'm not making that change yet. But the first place I would look is how do you get one of the two going? I think Casey gets himself in more situations that I see number 37 that I'm like, okay, there's there's a KC middle stat sighting. And maybe it's on the power play, which did not do a good job against Ottawa. Probably the reason why they lost, but, but Victor for me are, is not putting his best, best foot forward uh, in, in more than scoring in one-on-one -on -one battles in the fork check and things that you notice in the game. That's the problem. And March 3rd is the trade deadline. So, there's a, you know, couple of months until until then. That that's going to be a, a two months where there's going to be a lot of speculations against around certain players. Well, you refused to engage in the defense uh, acquisition discussion. So, what is your target then, pre-deadline or at deadline? Um, I can't give you players right now that I would target oh, come because on. I haven't done. What generic I haven't done insider enough. are you right now? I am a jarred insider. I'm, that's not my job. I'm an analyst. I'm not an insider. So no, I, I'm not there yet. Uh, but what I can tell you is we're going to go back to our original question, uh, scoring four or more or giving up three or less. What's the, 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 the best four years ago, person? Marty, I told you, you have to be able to outscore your problems in yeah. today's and game. I was all it about four defense. years at least to catch up to that thinking. Yeah, exactly. But I look at, Okay. Sorry, it's 11. No, it, it is. I've I've changed a little bit uh, because the way the Sabres played for the last few years, especially when Housley and Kruger were coaches, was, oh, my gosh, look at the defensive zone coverage. They're all over the place. You got to build the defensive side of the game. 
with Don Granado, it's been a lot different. So now to create the identity, to score goals, is to me the most important thing. To be number one in the league or top five in the league in goals per game is the most important thing. They scored, they win. They only scored one. And even though they only gave up two against Ottawa, the third one was an empty net. They end up losing. So getting to four goals is my key. How do you get there? Get something up front to make that third line go. Uh, a piece there so you can have Thompson line, Cousins line, and whoever, Krebs, Jost, whoever. Maybe it's a new center that fits in with Olofsson and Milstadt. Maybe that's the way you look at it. But for me, it's about adding that piece up front that makes it just go game after game after game that you have that push to score goals every night or every afternoon. Well, it sounds... I'm a little surprised. I wish you would attach like a hypothetical name or at least a comp to make me understand what you're looking for. Because otherwise I would say, wouldn't you maybe graduate somebody from Rochester who's on an uptick right now? Yeah, I no, because my, my, well, maybe that is the key, but the reason why I say it's more via trade and why I don't uh -huh. have something coming back is more about the fact that moving forward and I'm looking at next season and two years down the road, I don't think you could continue to sit here and say, oh, we're getting the same thing out of Victor. Oh, we're getting the no, same exactly. thing out of Casey. I don't think so, anybody wants to look to next year at all. I think that's why everybody's so excited about this current group and would like to help it now in its current form. I'm going to look at it as compared to when we kept looking at Gergensons and Larsons and say, oh, we can't keep going with those two in the lineup. One of them is going to have to move. We got to open the door for new blood to come through, right? And they mm -hmm. signed Gergensons and Larson went in and, you know, did not resign and boom, you're, you're moving forward. I feel this next two months is that time when it comes to Middlestead and Olofsson. And I know we've been critical about those two, but to me, that's where the log jam is at right now. And when that log jam gets, gets opened up at least one side or the other, mm -hmm. um, then we can move forward. And then we can say, okay, we filled that gap, that need. Let's look at other places to fill it in. But that's where the log jam is for me. All right. Anything else? Well, I had a lot of my stats that I wanted to bring up when we talked about Uko Pekalukunen, but we don't we don't Rattle have and hum. to. Let's go. Well, I was going to tell you all the times I made 15 or 16 saves in a win. Uh, and You don't uh, have to. They're in the game notes every night. I know, exactly. <laughs> I don't have to bring it up. Uh, but no, I look, I don't buy the narrative of, wow, Big emotional afternoon game in Boston. You come back to win and then a letdown in Ottawa. Th to me, it wasn't about the emotional letdown. It was about they were sloppy. They were sleepy. Uh, physically, I didn't think they had a, a push at all. They played well enough to win, but they didn't. Now, okay, can you rest on Monday and really get that that same jam physically on Tuesday against the, Montreal, against the Washington Capitals? Who just over the weekend, pumped the Montreal Canadiens line too. And I don't know if you saw uh, Ovi taking a picture with the Montreal Canadiens mothers that were on the trip. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny, but yeah. Was it they, before or after? It was after the, after the hat trick. Like yeah. Ovi just pumped the Montreal Canadiens for a hat trick, beat them 9-2. And he's taking a picture with the moms after like, hey, this is great. But anyway. Can, can I tell you that from what I saw, um, 
Montreal might have deflated themselves. It, it might have had less to do with Washington. They, the Canadians. Oh. I, and sorry, I should have yes. started this year with an apology. But considering <laughs> I do it just about every day of my life, um, I, I really should have apologized for, you know, being bullish on the Canadians being better than what the uh, insiders were telling us they would be. Uh, the th th they, they have somehow in somewhat shocking fashion, just decided to, you know, pack it in here in the last couple of weeks. It has been uh, brutal we to saw watch. What I mean, we're talking Chicago-esque yeah. brutal at the moment. And by Chicago the way, how about Chicago? Every game is a disaster for them. So anyway. Well, did Patrick Kane did score, but I'll say this. Look at what happens to the Sabres when they had all these injuries on defense and they lost eight in a row. Right now, Montreal's playing with five rookies on the blue line, right? So dude, they uh, won in Buffalo with five rookies. Don't give me that. Yes. But over <laughs> consistent timing, uh, they're starting to like uh wear down. Oh, a don't bit tell right me now. there's going to be a cumulative effect now on the defense. I feel like that's how we started because the show. they're young and they're inexperienced and they're who's rookies. Older who than, who's younger than Samuelson power and Darlene as a top uh, three of the league. Darlene's got Darlene's got 300 games or whatnot. And Samuelson is 53 years old trapped yes. in a 23 year old body. So that's a difference right there. But no, that is true. again, I'm saying refresh on Monday, Come hard, hard, hard at Washington Tuesday night. That is what is on the docket for me. If I was in that room, that's all I would have on the whiteboard. That That's the only way the Sabres will be able to go and start again a new winning streak. You ever going to get to a Bandits game again? I hope so. Um, I know there was one over the weekend that you went to that was yeah. fun and exciting, and they're 2-1 and one right now, but uh, I hope I'll get there soon. Why yes. don't you make more time for the good things in life? Well, you know, between everything that's uh, that's going on and like trying to catch uh, hockey games online and on, uh, sometimes I uh, you know what that's getting old for me. I, I'm I think I'm, I'm, my New online? Year's resolution is like maybe I should stop watching hockey. No. Okay, you watch more lacrosse. Watch no, more. just I don't know what what the next is, but maybe I just need to stop watching hockey. I will promise you this: I'm not going to watch the Winter Classic. I have less than 0% interest in that. So Okay, well, I will be watching it, although I was very disappointed in the choice of outfits by both teams to show up to the Winter Classic because it was very uninspirational. They both came out in baseball gear. The Boston Bruins in old Red Sox uniform and the Pittsburgh Penguins in old Pirates uniform. Like, be a little creative there. That was the... The, the the obvious choice. I wish somebody would have come up with a great, surprising like Nashville and St. Louis when they just uh, really hit it out of the park. I'll leave you with this. Uh, I thought Don Granado's words were really just so on point after the Ottawa game, and it's you know, it's you're never going to win all the games, and it was what it was. But I thought. I thought his analysis of each individual player was just perfect. It was it was like you said, the the tone, everything about it. And I I think that's what continues to encourage you know, this group and I think it allows us to continue to have a really level measured look at the entirety of this picture right now. Regardless of how we go down these little tangents and want to make lineup changes and roster moves and this and that and the other thing, the Granado effect is alive and well, win or lose.
Yeah, and I think a lot of times watching it on TV, you have a different sense of the game. And you had, after the game, you listen to coach, you're like, what is he talking about? Or even seeing it live at the arena. Sometimes there's a different feel from our set to the bench. Yeah. Um, with Don, I think we've been pretty spot on this year. And uh, we see the same thing he's seeing. Yeah. I think we're spoiled, quite frankly. So uh, yes, long that may that last. Right and uh, yeah. we will see. It's going to be another busy week. Thanks for joining us on Sabres Live Overtime. We'll see you soon. 